Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about the circle of life. The Kumbe Balada. The Wheel of Fortune. Oh, all right. Uh, this is the Lion King for the Amiga Computer Entertainment System. The ACES, as it was commonly known back in the day. It really? Yeah. The AGA Amiga, by the way. This but, thing required the big dog to play. It did require the big dog. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, Aaron, I know that you haven't seen The Lion King, am I correct? Correct. When was the last time that you saw a Disney movie in the theater, as they say? I think it was Mulan. Really? I was on a date. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. That was the last Disney movie I saw in the theater, too. I was with Matt Broughton. Was that a date? No. Uh, In fact, what happened was my Volvo... The radiator exploded, and then I got radiated fluid in his eye because he was trying to help me fix it. What's that do to your eye? Not, not good things. I can tell oh, okay. you that. Okay. Was it like hot? Did it like smoke up like in the show, like a cartoon? It smoked up just like the cartoon, and then he screamed a lot, and I was like, "You'll be all right." And then he was all right. He went okay. on to a distinguished career in the armed forces. You should have been a surgeon, Bo, with that kind of foresight. That's true. So, um. Mulan. That was the last one you saw. That's do you it. remember? Uh, do you remember who was the date with? I can't believe you were still going on dates at the time that Mulan was released. I mean, you were settled way into your thirties at that time. Well, no, uh, I don't remember when Mulan was released. To be honest with you, uh, but uh, tell and me I don't about remember, Mulan. Tell me about the date. I don't remember anything about. It wasn't good. It didn't end well. I remember that. Mm. Uh, but uh, I, I. Uh, uh, you know, it was okay, I guess. I thought what because as I recall, Eddie Murphy was uh, in it. He was he, the, he he was the, the dragon. dragon, right? That guy right. sucked. Every Disney film has to have a little idiot critter, mm-hmm. and those the scrappy suck. do, if you will. That's right. Didn't he also play the donkey in Shrek? He did. I mean, it's the same basic character. Listen, here's the thing about Eddie Murphy. Everybody hates him. Everybody thinks that all of his work is garbage for I like don't. the past twenty years. I'm not talking about his early SNL days. I'm oh, talking about no. like his, his, his current work. But guess what? Eddie what? Murphy is laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. He's, he's living off the residuals for his album. His album? Yeah, singing album. He sang Party all the time. I only know about when he sang like, uh, like when he was the Buckwheat guy. He used to sing a lot. He also had those comedy albums. The first time I ever heard Eddie Murphy was at Boy Scout camp. Really? Some guy had his, yeah. Some guy had his cassette. And you're... Was You've that down at Billy's Mill, camp. Pocahontas County? That's right. Yeah. Uh, we were out in those godforsaken half wood, half mm-hmm. canvas tents, mm-hmm. sitting around a fire while a bunch of idiots snipe hunted. <laughs> and I was with some other idiots who were stupid enough to sign up to go to this thing. And I heard them cackling. And I'm like, what are you listening to? Like, here, listen to this. And it was the funniest, filthiest thing I've ever heard. Eddie uh, Murphy worked blue? I never knew oh that. Oh, my God. He was navy blue. He was off blue. He was super blue. I think it was Eddie Murphy Comedian was the album I heard. 
I think mm. it may have been the first comedy I've ever heard, but it was it was funny. Mm. Uh, but uh, he's done a lot of stuff that I thought was good. But yeah, you know, listen, when you've got that kind of cash, uh, you uh, you don't have to worry about what you do later on in life. And I will say, uh, uh, and this is only loosely related to Eddie Murphy, but if you ever watch the Dave Chappelle show, the bit where Eddie Murphy's brother tells the story about Eddie Murphy playing basketball with Prince is one of the all-time great tales. I love Chappelle's show. It's, it's great. Chappelle's show is the... It is the the standard bearer for what all comedy should be. It's so the good. Bit, yeah, Charlie Murphy and the bit where Prince of the Revolution came to play basketball in their full attire, and I can envision <laughs> that happening. I, I, it would be great if that was true. I heard Prince wasn't happy with that, but man, that was funny. Was but unfortunate yeah. that we are not going to be talking any more about Prince during this episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Lion King, and Aaron, it's time to dive right in. We're not going to beat around the bush. Let's see what's been going on on our YouTube channel this week. Oh, man, Boat. Brace yourself, my friend. It's about to get real. So let's start off with your this gentle offering, uh, a delectable treat uh, from you, John Boat of Karshaller, as you quietly, almost gracefully, flip through an Australian Commodore Amiga review magazine. You want to, you want that, to tell the people, how, you want to use your voice on this? That's to tell right, Aaron. So, if you're going to be talking about the Australian Amiga review, oh, sorry. you need to be taking it slow and easy. We got this magazine, Aaron, from Graham W. Vebke, a veritable Amigos legend. Uh, he sent us a whole bunch of magazines a couple of years ago, and I figured it was darn time to start looking through these. Uh, we start with the thing that was the most interesting to me, the Australian Amiga Review. However, once I flipped to page one, it quickly became apparent that this was not the most interesting magazine that's ever been produced about the Amiga. However, it was neat to look through and uh, check out the adverts. Um, this is a mostly text-based Amiga uh, magazine, and um, it was uh, it was and it was an experience. I'll tell you that if you are looking for something to uh, send you off to Dreamland in the nighttime. Uh, I highly recommend you check out this review of the Australian Amiga review. Uh, it is uh, very text heavy. Uh, there are some interesting ads. There's a lot of C64 ads in the Australian Amiga review. So if you are into the Australian Amiga scene at all, or even if you're not, and you just want something to lull you to sleep, uh, feel free to check out the Australian Commodore Amiga Review magazine, volume two, number seven, from somewhere between 1987 and 1988. Let me tell you something. When I think about getting lulled to sleep, you're the first person that comes to mind, Boat. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Now, next on the docket, something else that will put you to sleep if you take the time to listen to it. It's last week's ARG Presents, Boat. This was a special look at your at your childhood favorite, the VTech Socrates, or the Socrates, if you're yes. a dumb guy. Yes, yes. Uh, we covered two games on the Socrates, uh, Memory Mania, brother, and CAD Professor. Uh, and this system, I, you know, uh, listen, I knew there wasn't going to be a big demand for a lot of Socrates coverage, but I had a good time with this, and we had a lot of fun uh, with the Socrates. Of course, I owned one, stupidly, so I got to drag it out, hold up the various parts of a boat, and... Uh, listen, uh, one day when Luke gets a little older, you'll be able to pass that on to him, and he will love it. You think he's too young for the Socrates boat? <laughs> no way, no way. Give me a break. It it's when fun. you have your second child. You know, a lot of people, I think, will kind of buzz over some of these systems that they don't never heard of or they think they're dumb, and that's where we have the most fun. I really do. We have a lot of fun with these. You know, it, I'm not. This is no great surprise to you, but I loved this episode. 
Um, <laughs> the, so the, the Socrates, as it was known to me and my buddy Logan, uh, was a, a fantastic machine. Uh, not really, but I mean, it filled the void in those long summer evenings when we had exhausted the fun out of the NES and the, uh, the, the DOS computer that my buddy Logan had. Um, you don't see things like the Socrates anymore. You don't see standalone uh, consoles that are not part of the big three. I guess there's this Amico thing that's coming out soon, the new Intellivision. Maybe that, maybe if they're lucky, they could be the new Socrates era. Well, I think VTech's still around. They're still cranking out these little edutainment kids' toys. At least the last, I remember seeing these things at the store. And the thing is, if you ever want to go to like a Goodwill, you can make sure there's going to be VTech firmly on display at the, at at your uh, at your uh, local at your local Goodwill. Oh boat. yeah. Oh yeah. So moving moving on down the the Liz line here. Now boat, here's a little uh here's a little tasty morsel. Uh, a marathon session of Magic the Gathering boat. What do you want to talk about on this one? Listen, it was sure to become one of the least popular videos that we've ever produced on our site. My buddy Chad and I sat down for two and a half hours and did nothing but play Magic the Gathering. Um, we, I had a grand idea, Aaron. The grand idea was, what if we made uh, five different decks of equal value and played against each other? And this was the first time that we've actually sat down. Chad, who I trust implicitly because he is a Magic mastermind, he built mm -hmm. these decks for me. And uh, we sat down and we played Magic for two and a half hours. Uh, this is the kind of magic that I like because I know what all the cards do. All of the cards from this were from 1994, every single one. So mm -hmm. uh, if you are a fan of old school magic, if you will, if you recall the, the glory days of the sport, and I do call it a sport because, I mean, uh -huh. what else could it be? Uh, this is, this is the stream for you. This is the stream for you. If it's a sport, then I like that sport because it's a sport where you could pay extra money to be more talented and more athletic. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah. Sport me up. I never liked Magic, as you know, because I thought it was a money grab. It saved uh, it saved TSR though to a certain degree because they uh, because uh, Wizards of the Coast bought them, uh, and I believe Wizards of the Coast weren't they the ones behind Magic? They originally? were hundred percent. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, so if you want to watch some Magic, some hot boy on boy Magic action, there you go. All right, Aaron. The next thing up is our uh, amigo Aaron's all requests live stream C sixty four. Zegs, as they say it, Sega Genesis Coker Three and Authentic Hardware. Talk about no that. No one for says me. Zegs, but I always Man, hate that. I'm I'm saying Zegs all day long. Oh my god! Well, listen, we had a good time on the old live stream last week, last Friday night. Uh, we played uh, amongst the things I wanted to cover was various versions of the game we covered on Amigas last week, which was California Games, and I think I cemented the fact that once and for all, the Genesis version of this crushes all other versions underfoot. It looks better. It plays better. If it wasn't for the fact that it was missing the flying disc event, it would be a runaway. Uh, this thing is awesome, uh, Boat. And I, even you were a believer after you saw this thing in action. I always thought that you were lying when you told me about this, the, the Mega Drive version, the Genesis version. And who version. can blame you? I thought, you know, Aaron's saying this just because he wants to be down. Because I know you, you kill the Amiga at any opportunity that you get. Oh, but yeah. this is uh, this is a boy. The C sixty, or I'm sorry, the, the Mega Drive version just looks so freaking good. I was amazed if they would have included the flying disc, I would run out and buy a Genesis just to have this game. It's that yeah. good. And then you would sell it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, aside from the uh, California games, we ran through to some requests, man. 
We ran through uh, some uh, uh, Commodore 64. <clears throat> we played some some stuff like this game, uh, uh, Buggy here. I actually just accidentally picked when I was looking for something else. But we <laughs> played it, but we played anything I could get hold of. And uh, we played a little bit of, uh, of a Pac-Mania clone on the uh, Coca that was mind-blowing mm. uh, boat. It was a mind-blowing event. Uh, so we had a good time. Uh, we'll be back this week with another live stream, and I think tonight we're going to get a little uh, turbo graphics into, into the mix, boat. I can't wait, uh, man. So let's talk about uh, some video footage you released from Amigathon 2020, uh, and you've titled this one Banter Slash Mr. Pleasant's interview. So tell us about what, what we're uh, looking at in this one. So this is when we, we came back from uh, our guest streamer segment. I believe that this was coming right off the heels of uh, Retro Man Cave. And uh, we came right back in to uh, our interview segment with David Pleasance. David Pleasance, of course, the world-famous uh, Commodore UK representative uh, VP, if you will, the vice president of their business operations back in yes. the day. Some say that he was responsible for the fame of the uh, the Amiga in the UK because he came up with the Batman pack. I mean, yeah. if you come up with the Batman pack, that's it. You're done. You're set for life. Plus, so, he's a walking, talking storybook. He's ready to go. He is. Pull he his is. string and watch him work. He reminds me of myself, Boat. Yes. Uh, and he came in to plug his uh, his Kickstarter from Vultures to Vampires. This is a book that he wrote with Trevor Dickinson, who is responsible for the new Amigas. Uh, and uh, he, he told a couple stories. And I highly recommend you come in, because anytime that you're talking to Dave, uh, he's got a good story to tell. I highly recommend you check out this this little interview that we did. It's just it's just a couple minutes long this segment, um, and uh, yeah, I, I was real happy with the way. I, to be honest with you, Aaron, this was the part of Beacathon that made me most afraid because anytime that we're dialing in to another uh, another presenter, it just introduces a whole lot of nonsense, a whole lot of variables that we cannot control. So I was glad that we were able to talk to Dave and he was able to tell us a couple stories, able to plug his book. His book has been a runaway success, by the way. He uh, he raised more than double, I believe, his goal at the end of the day. So um, congratulations to David for his Kickstarter from Vultures to Vampires, and thank you so much for uh, becoming part of, uh, of Amigathon. And um, I want to congratulate our winner, Duncan Styles, the Amiga Live contest winner for winning a signed copy of David's book and a Blu-ray that are winging their way soon to his residence uh, right now, Aaron. Also, you call him Dave. I call him Mr. Pleasance, my friend. Yeah, his uh, kickstart worked out. And while we're just as briefly mentioning Amigathon, let's go back one more time to say that we raised 5471 bucks on the Dust Little Boat, uh, a mighty sum. We just got it. We just indeed. got another donation in yesterday, so I love people that. are still. You can go to amigathon.com right now and still uh, contribute to help kids at the Children's Miracle Network and benefit Amigathon 2020. Uh, we are still tallying up those uh, all the way up until November. Somebody can get us to uh, 5,500 boat. That's a nice round number. So uh, boat. Now here's another. You thought the Australian Commodore Amiga review was something. Here's boat again. 
uh, with uh, but why don't you just lead us into this one here, the Nintendo Power Magazine review. So my birthday was last month, Aaron, and for my birthday, you gave me a plethora of different gifts. You're one to not just give one gift. I've known I'm you a for shotgun a, gifter. Yeah, I've like known you for thing. a long time. You never just give one gift. It's always a multiple, multiple gifts. And one of the gifts that you got me was this back issue of Nintendo Power from March, April, 1989. This is one of the issues that I remember looking through as a kid. I never had a subscription to Nintendo Power at this time, but my my neighbor, her name was Amber, and she had a subscription. And I used to steal issues from her like it was going out of style. I'd come over to her house, I'd act all friendly, and then when she wasn't looking, bam, right into the pocket. Of course, I'd have to like wad it up and put it into the pocket. But anyway, uh, Ninja Ninja Gaiden, as we'd call it back in the day. Did you know anybody that actually called it Ninja Gaiden back then? What's it supposed to be? Ninja, it's Ninja Gaiden is the correct pronunciation. Really? Ninja yeah, Gaiden no, we never is what we it call that. it. Yeah, Ninja Gaiden. So, at any rate, uh, on the on the picture, this is when Nintendo uh, they they would design their own covers. So you've got a man in a ninja suit. It yeah. might be Flack. It might be Rob O'Hara in a ninja suit. Plus, you've got a Miami Vice looking city behind you, and then the ultimate Dreadlord's castle in the very back. I go through this magazine, Aaron. Bit by bit, page by page, I talk a lot about the ads because the ads, Pixels at Dawn mentioned a, a, a very uh, prescient thing uh, in the YouTube comments. He said that uh, back in the day, everybody used to hate ads because they took up space, but now the ads are the, the, the coolest part because you can see what people were pitching, what the prices were going for and stuff like that. Look at that kid in the surfboard, Aaron. What do you think when you see a kid on the, That was me when I was eight years old, in my mind. Eight? I was surfing. And I had a pile of Nintendo cartridges on my surfboard. It's very 80s slash early 90s, boat. Absolutely. And that is me. I'm a kid of the 80s slash early 90s. This was a... Uh, I know you enjoyed this, boat. The old magazine review of your old favorite mag. So I I have a feeling we're going to get a lot more of those from, from you, boat. They're very entertaining. And also, I will say, I used your uh, uh, Omega Australia magazine to drift quietly to sleep tonight. <laughs> And that's a fact. Wonderful. On vacation, Wonderful. I put it on when I went to bed. Um, but here, i got to give you credit. Usually, all you do all week long is suck up the joint. True. But but this week, sir, I don't know what happened. I left town for one week, and you went to work like a man. And what you did was come up with this one-click classic Macintosh simulator. I never heard of this thing, Boat. What's the scoop? This is something that uh, vintage is the new old surfaced for all of us here in the retro community. And um, someone has come up with a way to emulate a classic uh, Mac OS 8 desktop on your on your modern Windows, Linux, or Mac desktop with one click. You download this installer, and this thing gives you everything that you need. So um, what it is, is it is a, uh, an environment where you can, you basically you download one file and it launches a desktop on your machine. This is something that I've been begging the Amiga community to release for years because if you could put together, say, take the top 20 games in the Amiga's history, you put those on there, you take D-Paint, whatever apps you want, whatever that ray tracing nonsense is, you put that on there, you put it all in one EXE file and you double click it and it goes, plus you add a share folder where you can add your own games, that is what you want. And somebody has finally, and what, what they've done is they've taken 
a framework that allows you to take one of those JavaScript emulators, which are all over the internet, by the way, where you can take a, uh, you can run an emulator in a browser, and they've put it into a standalone uh, application that you can run from your desktop. This thing works the best. I have never been so sad that I spent a huge amount of money on the Plastic Fantastic because this is what I wanted all along, Aaron. All I wanted was an environment where I could run OS 9 or OS 8 as it is and run some applications, run some games, and do it as conveniently as possible. This thing is out of sight. I have never been so impressed with any emulation experiences I have with this, this Mac emulator. Let me, let me ask you a question, Bo, if I may. As you know, I've got the Macintosh Performa something over here. Mm -hmm. Is the Mac that's being emulated better than what I got or worse than what I got? It is slightly better. It is very uh, similar to the one the that you've got. There, it's right? in the ballpark for sure. So if you're looking, if you don't feel like hooking up the Performa to a uh, to a monitor and then hooking that to some sort of a capture device, if you want to just get in and get out, this is the way to do it. I put the uh, the link to the GitHub there on the YouTube page. This guy has done this all himself. Uh, like I said, we've talked about the company millions of times on this show. The company does the Lord's work in terms of the Amiga, in terms of yes. putting together an EXE file that will run a game. You can have save states, you can have whatever you want through uh, UAE. This is the same thing, but totally a totally uh, self-sustaining Macintosh desktop. Uh, if you are a, a, an Amiga developer, instead of making the 27,000th uh, horrible platformer or shoot 'em up, concentrate your efforts on doing something like this, and the Amiga community will thank you for decades to come. Let me let me ask you a question, Bo. In the interest of, rile, of riling you up here, I noticed our good buddy Doug from the 10 Minute Amiga Retrocast has said that you have literally just described Amiga forever with your one EXE uh, to run it. Now, uh, and I don't know if Tidmark has fiddled with this, what you're talking about, but I actually watched your video. I would class this quite differently than Amiga forever, would you not? This is different than Amiga forever because of one reason. Well, I, I want to give you two reasons. The first reason is that it's 100% free, okay? Amiga forever is charging you and taking the money that you give them and not giving one penny to the people that made it real. Okay, that's number one. Number two is that this is a one-click experience. You download one file, you run one file, and you get the desktop. With Amiga Forever, you download the file, you load it up, and then you have to negotiate yourself through several different environments to get to the one that you actually want. If they could do, this is what you want. You want 3.1, Amigo S 3.1, with the top 20 WHD load games. Then you give you a shared file, and the shared file is easily accessible from your desktop, no matter if you're using a Mac or PC or whatever, even if you're using that godforsaken Linux format. Um, you, can, you can put whatever you want in there, and then boom, it shows up directly on your desktop. If you can give me those three things, then you'll have something. Don't I mean, give I mean, me that Amiga Forever as it stands now has anything on this Macintosh emulator. Let me ask you one more quick question here, Boat. Now, you know, uh, uh, myself and uh, Laurent Giroux, for example, are sticklers when it comes to the legality of, of these enterprises. And I've got to ask, uh, is what we're seeing here, has Apple graciously allowed their OS to be uh, manipulated 
to uh, let this happen, or is this somewhere in what we like to call that gray area? This is a hundred percent gray area. It's, I believe we are that, gray. Uh, yeah, I believe that Apple has released to the open source uh, all operating systems up to Mac OS seven, maybe seven point five. OS eight is sort of the first modern. OS nine people people like to let me let me school you a little bit about the uh, the the Macintosh operating system. Because I know system. nothing. Yeah. Um, OS eight was really the first OS. Uh, you you had. Uh, OS 7 went through many permutations. OS 8 is the um, the OS where everything really came together for the first time. And so, of course, Apple doesn't really want to release that to the public. So uh, it would probably be best if you didn't email Apple and let them know that this thing was out there, at least until yeah. after you download it. Um, but I would put this right up there with OS 9.2.2, which was the last edition of uh, Mac OS before they went to OS 10. Um, if you're looking to run games or simple applications, uh, this is the one you want. You want Mac OS 8, you want this package. Like I said, visit, uh, go to this video, click on the, uh, the GitHub link to download this one exe file. There's a self-installing installer and uh, you can run it. And it will give you everything you want because, like I said, most of the there's there's not a whole lot of games that are installed, but there's like Photoshop. There's even an early version of Premiere that's installed. I would love to see somebody go to town with this early version of Premiere. But then you visit a little site I like to call the Macintosh Garden. Um, I think it's called MacintoshGarden.org, and you download whatever games you want. You pop those in the share folder, and then you're good. That's all you need to do. Mm -hmm. So. Like I said, one more plea to the Amiga developers out there that are developing, you know, all of your red pill nonsense. Drop that immediately. Work on a self-extracting, self-installing EXE file of Amiga OS 3.1 that is entirely compatible with all WHD load files. Set up a folder where you can drop those WHD load files into it. You're gonna have a generation of people that appreciate the Amiga that have never heard of it before because of the ease of use that you've, you've, you've made. Same thing for the Coco folks. I know we're not a Coco podcast anymore, but if you are a Coco person, if you can make any kind of a self-extracting EXE file that gives you the desktop, that lets you have a shared folder you can drop games into, that's the way you wanna go, man. That's, that's how you get new people into your platform, because guess what? New people are used to easiness. New people don't wanna go through configuration they don't want to go through file management. They want it to work right away. Well, this looks like an easy way to play the Mac, but since I don't give a crap about the Mac, I probably won't fool with it. But it looks good. I'll give them credit on that. Um, last little bit, Boat, uh, you want to plug your this trailer that you've got up here. This is relevant. Yeah. So um, this past week, uh, there's a, a, guy, a YouTuber you might have heard of called Retro Man Cave. Um, if you are a fan of the Amigos, you might have heard of him tangentially. He's sort of a small fish in the large Amiga pond that we sort of dominate. But yeah, um, yeah. but uh, probably when the shuttle lands, boat. <laughs> me and him, me and him teamed up to do a weekly news podcast where we aim for brevity. We aim for it to get you in and out the door in under thirty minutes, give you a uh, a summary of the week's news with just a little bit of commentary. Uh, this is going to be an audio-only affair. You can find it uh, through um, most podcatcher directories at this point, but if you can't find it through uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, you can go to anchor.fm slash thisweekinretro and uh, just manually add the RSS feed in there. 
Um, we had a lot of fun. We talked about the week's you know biggest retro stories, and um, and you get in and out the door in in less than half an hour. So if you're at all interested in current retro news beyond the Amiga, I highly su- suggest you check out this week in retro. There you go. Speaking of this week in retro, bro, 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 are we bro, that kind of podcast hey, now? Hey, bro. <laughs> Take it away, Boat. That's all we've got for the YouTube side of this. What do you got? Well, we got some news, Aaron. This week has been a huge news week in... Has it? Oh, no. News. So. <laughs> all right, Aaron. We're going to start things off with... There's a new game in the Amigaverse, Aaron. This okay. is a game that comes from our dear friends over in Finland. Okay. And this game is actually called Smarty and the Nasty Gluttons. Okay? When you think about a name like Smarty and the Nasty Gluttons, does that make you want to download the game right away? Well, I will say I am intrigued. (laughs) I can't deny it. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a game that uh, was developed, just like we've talked about a lot of games on this show uh, over the past couple of years that were unfinished back in the day, and now the developers are coming back to uh, to finish them up, and uh, this is a game that is one of those. This is a I wouldn't call it a single screen platformer because it does have some scrolling. I would call it a um, it's sort of a, a mix between a scrolling platformer and a single screen platformer, yeah. where you uh, your your hero destroys enemies and uh, collects collects keys. Um, have you have you had a chance to fool with this one yet, Aaron? I have. I've never heard of this, but I gotta say, this looks pretty good. It does uh, look very it good. Looks. I like the anim- it's, it's. I like the uh, the way it looks. The sprites, the color, everything looks. It, everything looks. Uh, uh, look, it looks fun. It looks like a, an interesting game. I'm, I can see the concept. Shoot the guys, roll them into each other. Might be neat. You know yeah. what was this called again? This is a smarty and the nasty uh-huh. gluttons. There's as nothing a, I hate more than a nasty glutton, Aaron. As a nasty glutton myself, I endorse this product. This is a little bit of news from the Amigos community. Our last high score challenge has just expired on the Amigos Discord. Bomb Jack is the next game. So if you want to get in on some Bomb Jack action for the ZX Spectrum, feel free to check that out. Bomb Jackson. Now, we're going to move on to a little bit of a uh, sad story. Uh The inventor of the computer mouse, Aaron, has passed away. His name is Bill English. Can you imagine how different the computing world would be uh, without the mouse? He invented the mouse. Get this, Aaron. He invented the mouse in 1963. It is astounding. I looked at the early like pictures of the mouse, and there's actually a one right there, which is basically like it's like a block with a couple of wheels strapped mm-hmm. underneath of it before they uh, you know introduced the ball. Uh, I, you know, it's it is astounding. Uh, I believe this fellow worked for Xerox. Is that right, Boat? He worked for uh, Xerox Park, so he worked for the research arm of Xerox. Yeah, and Xerox, I believe, weren't they the ones that developed the original uh, graphic user interface? Like, That's you know, right. He had the the famous meeting that took place when Steve Jobs came to visit Xerox Park and promptly stole everything they were working on. Yeah, uh, they, but I mean, so you've got to give them credit. You wouldn't think Xerox. It always amused me that Xerox is like the at the head of that. Because that's not what you think of when you think of Xerox, at least in this country. Do you remember the first time you ever used a computer mouse, Aaron? Absolutely. I think I've mentioned on the show, I was at a Computer World store, retail store at the Charleston Mall, Charleston Town Center, and they had a uh, a computer set up. 
I'm trying to think of what it was. I, I'm not even sure. Whatever it was, they were playing Pit Stop 2. If you remember, Pit Stop 2 uh, was on it. Or it might have been Pit Stop 1, even. And they had a computer mouse hooked up to this thing. And when I first grabbed it and moved it around, I thought it floated on a, on, a, on air. I didn't know there was a ball under there. Mm. I was you thought very, it was like a hovercraft. That's right. That's right. I mean, it sounds... Listen, it was a long time ago. When you never seen a mouse and you pick one up, that was my first impression as a kid. I'm like, man, this thing floats. Uh, and I could see right away that you had something. But it's funny, for years, we never uh, needed a mouse uh, on the on the on the DOS PC or the or the Coco. I mean, I know the Coco had one, so did DOS, but I never used one. And really, the first time I ever got into having a mouse was when I got my Tandy One Thousand, and it had a uh, that DeskMate software that you, that you could use a mouse on. So I got it to use that. But yeah, the DeskMate software was pretty good. It was sort of like an early Windows environment, yeah. right? Now the first computer I ever used where the mouse was like. You had like the Amiga was the one where you just had to have it and use it all yeah. the time, and that's really it's funny to think about uh, that. But that's where I really got, used the mouse way more than any place else because I wasn't really an adapter. I wasn't into like Windows early on. I was a DOS guy. I didn't want to fool with Windows at all, and so uh, I didn't use the mouse that much because in DOS it wasn't that necessary. But yeah, uh, it would have been a whole different world if. Uh, if the mouse wasn't there, and I wonder if the, this fellow hadn't developed it or co-developed it, uh, what we would have ended up with. I, I would assume that we would go down somewhere down the same path, uh, because you know that's all paths sort of lead to that sort of controller. But it's still interesting, and to think that it was happening in the '60s is quite astounding. That's very true. That's very true. Um, can you think of you know if the mouse had never been invented, what would be the input device of choice these days? Well. Again, I, I would I would wager it would be some something like a mouse, maybe a you know a trackball is sort of just like an upside down mouse. Uh, you know, I've seen maybe like a touchpad would have been something you could have maybe seen. Uh, uh, remember back in the and you were an Atari guy. Remember the old koala pads from mm -hmm. back in the day? Uh, my buddy the Chud had this big desktop CAD gimmick. Really? That, that the mouse had a crosshair on it. And it was sort of like a giant koala pad. So I mean, for, so maybe people could have went down that road. But I mean, this thing was huge. So I'm, I'm glad we stuck with the mouse with the trackball because this thing I also hated it. Man, you uh, don't have the, any pictures of the Chud's, uh, you know, CAD gimmick, do you? I don't. I wish I did. I remember it though. The mouse was this little. It was about yay big. It had a clear window round with a, with a crosshair, and the butt there were uh, four triangular buttons that were different colored red red yellow blue and green and that's how it, he would use that as his, he used that as his mouse probably into the 90s into the two early 2000s even yeah wow that's awesome that's awesome well, we're gonna have to talk to him one of these days we're gonna have the wilcox hour where where the chud is going to be able to come and take take charge of this podcast the chud's afraid afraid to appear on camera now that's true that's for, true for governmental reasons <laughs> All right, Aaron, you ready to talk about The Lion King? Let's I am. do it, man. I am, man. Akubi Madubi. So, now, as Boat mentioned, I've never seen The Lion King, but I'm assuming you've seen it, right? Oh, yeah, man. Your thoughts? The Lion King's a great movie. You know, it's it's, it's one of those Disney movies that uh, is evergreen. Uh, yeah. It's just as you, you can show it to your kids, just like you watched it when you were a kid. Um I always thought that The Lion King marked a certain point in Disney's history because this is when you started getting the Broadway musicals based on the Disney movie. 
And if you were a person that was making a Disney movie, you thought about that and you thought about how could this be adapted and how could this pay for my mega yacht fleet in the future? Because <laughs> The Lion King on Broadway has made more money than I think any show in history. Really? I don't know how they, I don't know how they pull it off, to be honest with you. Uh, in, in uh, like <laughs> there at the well, what what happens is they put the you're serious are you serious when you're talking about this well i mean I'd, i've never seen any okay footage. well I mean, i'll tell you how it is okay. animals so what so happens is you've got the puppet okay and you've got the puppet and they're holding it out in front of you if you're yeah. watching the video feed now you can see my hand representing the puppet and then yeah. you've got the actor behind there doing the thing but you can still see the actor in full view and they move across the stage they slink across the stage like a muskrat Okay, and they're 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 singing and they're talking, and like I said, for some reason people really dig that. It sounds dumb to me, Boat. I'll be honest with you. But I mean, are you hey. familiar with the song "Muskrat Love"? Yeah. Okay. Wasn't that a was that a Captain and Tennille? Captain and Tennille, number? right? Yeah. Is that in the movie? Yes. Yes. You're kidding me. No, I am kidding. It is not oh. in the movie. Okay, you had me going for a minute there. I love the captain. He never took off the hat, Boat. Did you anyway. know that there were? Did you know that there were three? No, I'm sorry, there were four different peaches and peaches and herb. Like we're on pe we're on peaches four now. I didn't know they were still around. Yeah, yeah, peaches. He replaces the herb every couple of years. Well, I mean, you got to keep the herb fresh. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, let's talk about the old Lion King here. Now, this thing was released on the Amiga in '95. Boat. Uh, now it's interesting. This was a Virgin Interactive uh, gimmick here. Of course, this came straight from Disney. You only had, you had, uh, this thing was coded by Dave Simmons. Uh, Dave didn't work on a ton of stuff, but he worked on a few things. I don't think he worked on anything we've looked at. Uh, he he uh, worked on crash test dummies. Remember when those were a thing? It's funny uh, because they were the biggest thing in the business for a while. Yeah, for a year or so there. Yeah. They also, he also worked on Rainbow Warriors, SAS Combat Simulator, which I have heard of, and Spellfire the Sorcerer. I've never heard of that either. Uh, he, the uh, graphics were done by Doug Townsley. He worked on pretty much the same stuff, more or less, that, that the uh, programmer worked on. And, of course, the music in this, Alistair Brimble. Now, he, which is, who's done tons. Now, uh, I went, and it's, this game is funny. Uh, it's often, I mean, just to start off right at the gate, it's often compared to the console versions uh, of, this, of, of it. Yeah, uh, you know, because like, this got a sort of a wide release. Now this got released on the, uh, uh, I, which I didn't look at this version. I didn't know there was one. But there's an NES version of this boat. Have you ever tried that on the NES? What I did was I looked at one of those port comparison videos. Yeah. And what they did in this game is very different than, for example, the Adams Family, where they totally they totally redesigned it. This yeah. game is is it's a low res version. The Game Boy and the NES versions are pretty much the same game, really? except the, the you know everything just looks much worse. Right. So I looked at it on the Super Nintendo and the uh, and the uh, Master uh, the Mega Drive slash Genesis. Now I didn't see the Master System or Game Gear versions, and I had a, I looked at the DOS and some pictures of it. But I can tell you, it's funny because this game gets a lot of grief uh, uh, because they omitted. Three levels and plus uh, the bonus stages, mm -hmm. uh, boat. Mm -hmm. And they, and the word on the street is that the Amiga version omitted these to save discs uh, because this thing shipped on four discs. And presumably, if you would have included those extra three levels uh, and, and the bonus uh, 
you know, bonus stages, you'd be in for at least a couple more discs. Yeah, and that would just increase the price of the product. Right. Well, I think this they should have probably went ahead and made the discs mm -hmm. uh, because I, I think that's that's a, a, a problem. We'll get to that. Uh, I will say uh, a lot of people are real keen on this on the on the Genesis, uh, which the Genesis version. It, it's funny. The Amiga version to me is like a hybrid. It's a hybrid. It's got it's like the Super Nintendo audio with the with the Genesis visuals mm -hmm. uh it's it's somewhere it's sort of a sweet spot and in actuality well it's sort of a sour spot really. well no i mean no i mean if, if you if you just from from uh the two versions amalgamated you've sort of got the, the best of both worlds in a lot of ways uh, uh, well i that's I, I i'll get there but that's what that's what, that was my perception so what do you now i'll say this having never seen the film this gives you no narrative as to what's yeah, going on. No. So if you don't know what's going on, it's just a series of levels that are, I mean, I don't have no idea what's happening. So maybe you can kind of fill me in as we go uh, on that. Uh, but the game starts out with this uh, cool opening menu of the uh, very iconic bit where the, what is it, a baboon or something? Yeah. Oh, uh, actually... I don't know what the name of that thing is, but it's it's that weird monkey with like yeah. the blue face. He's, He's holding up, up the, the cub. Baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the cub, and it's playing this music, and the music is good. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. But I will say the music to me, and I checked. I played them side by side, and and of course that this is credited to Brembo, and I didn't see who did it on the Super Nintendo, but I mean it's almost exactly the same music. Right. I uh, you it, know almost surely uh, Brembo was not contracted for the Japanese companies to do this, but he. He did a remarkable job of recreating the music on the Amiga version. Yeah, it's it's the best of those three. Mm -hmm. Those three, the music on this is the best. Yeah, uh, it's it's now again, it's exactly like the, the Super Nintendo. It's just that the Amiga plays better music than the Super Nintendo. Uh, clearer, you know, to, uh, in my mind. Um, uh, the first level starts you out and you let you uh, get an idea of what you're doing. This game gives you uh, on the Amiga gives you a couple options for controls. Uh, you basically, and, and one of the control options, this was bizarre to me, Bode, but as I watched the later levels, I didn't get to it, made a little more sense. Uh, you've got uh, a jump, you've got jump is up mm -hmm. on option one, and then you've got the button does like a growl. Right. right. And then option two is button for jump, and up is growl. Now, I can tell you, button two, or button or option two was the way I went, because Option one, you, it, the growl didn't seem that helpful to me. Uh, you can look at it occasionally. Uh, and you can like knock stuff over with the growl. And I guess when you're a, a bigger lion, the growl means more. Uh, but for me, the growl was pretty much pointless. And so if you use option two, pushing well, up here's is the, thing. the growl. Here's the thing. If you know how to play this game, the growl means something when you're a cub. There are several enemies in this game that are um, that you can't jump on. And that's how you dispatch the enemies that you flip them over by using your growl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned that eventually, but yeah, you're, it wasn't obvious to me at first. And the growl that the cub puts out is pathetic. So, well, I, I mean, he's a cub. What do you expect? Right, but I'm just saying when he when you're playing the game and he makes that growl, you're just like, I was just like, what is that? Uh, but so yeah, but I learned. Um, when you start the game, uh, there's a little animated. Uh, what is that guy? One of the two critters. Uh, that he, and he says like it begins, and I saw that. Yeah, was the, the he's a muskrat, I think. Is that that's the muskrat? Okay, so they've they've put a couple little tidbits in here, uh, and then you start the game. So it's it's a platformer where you play a lion cub, 
and you're going through these levels, and you're basically, it's the old jump on the guy routine mm-hmm. at the first level, uh, and there's a few things you can't jump on, uh, and you go through almost like a platformy sort of maze. Uh, is this sounding about right to you, the way mm-hmm. you looked at it? Boat? Absolutely. And, at the, and when you get to the end, uh, you fight like a, I think it's a hyena in a boat, uh, and you uh, when you beat him, you beat the first level. That's it. Uh, so before we move on to the other levels, what did you think about uh, this game as it as you first saw it? And, and had you played this game in the past on other machines? You know, where where did you lie on this thing starting out? By 1995, uh, 1995, fall of 1995, I was a freshman in high school. So yeah. I'd I'd progressed past the platformer. Uh, I was really into um, nothing at this time. I was waiting for the next generation. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for the next generation of consoles. The PlayStation had come out, and I'd heard that the uh, the new Final Fantasy game was still going to be coming out on the Nintendo 64. I'd not yet heard that it was going to be out on the PlayStation only. Um, so this game completely passed me by. Uh, it wasn't really... 95 was when I took a break from gaming, and it wasn't until uh, 96 and 97 when I got the N64 that I'd really picked it back up. So this had passed me by. The first time I'd played this was on the Amiga, so I had no other point oh. of reference. Um, this game controls very well. When you start out as the little Simba, uh, you uh, have a variable height jump. Uh, you have multiple, uh, you know modes of attack i wouldn't say multiple modes of attack but you have a spin move you have a swipe with the paw uh, you have the roar so i was really impressed um i think that this game suffers from uh just laziness in terms of the overall port i think they could have made this better i've read from several locations that they only had about two months to to do this port from the genesis version so it's it's understandable. Again, I, you know, on on these ports, I I hardly ever fault the programmer. It's just the amount of time they had to uh, to put this into the can, as it were. Um, however, I thought that this game was. I didn't think it was. I only played it on the normal difficulty level. I never played it on easy. Did you play it on easy at all? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I thought that it was a little bit difficult. I thought that I should have been able to get farther than I did because this is a game that's ostensibly designed for children. I mean, it's based on The Lion King. It's based on a Disney movie. So you'd expect it to be a little bit easier than maybe something something else. I don't know. That's just the way I thought about it. But um, I wasn't able to get past the second level, which is the level where you're in the elephant graveyard. Um, I just thought it was too tough. I couldn't get by it. Um, one of the things that I like about this game is that you have that sonic ability to roll and you can break through barriers and stuff like that. So it does offer a little bit of differentiation in terms of what you can do. Uh, the animation is beautiful uh, in this game. Uh, anything from your, your just running or walking movement to your attack movement, everything is animated very well. I thought there was a pretty good uh, you know variation of enemies. But on the whole, I would have, again, it's the same thing, and again, this is this goes for all of the ports, not just not just the Amiga port. I would have liked to have seen the levels broken up more than they are, and I would have liked to have seen more narrative put into the storyline. Well, it's funny you should mention it because I'll, after watching the Super Nintendo and the uh, Mega Drive version, there is more narrative mm. uh, that is left out. I mean, it still didn't help, mm-hmm. but you, it was like these little scenes. Uh, of the of like stuff happening, just little tiny cutscenes in between the levels, 
that the Amiga didn't get for whatever reason. Again, they didn't actually help me understand what was happening, but they were there, much like the cutscenes, which I'll get to the cutscenes here in a minute. I, I'm not going to agree with you fully on the control. I had some issues with the controls. Did I mean, they, really? weren't the, they weren't the worst, you know? Uh, but Can you think of an Amiga game that controlled better than this? Oh, gosh. Yeah, tons. Tons of games. I can't. Uh, because... The problem I had with this, it wasn't so much I couldn't control the guy. Right. It's just I didn't like the the the, uh, the environments. So that has nothing the, to do with the and, controls. And the hit detection. Well, no, it does. Because you would miss jumps. And you would uh, and you would uh, like underestimate how uh, the 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 uh, the hitbox for an enemy, and so you would take damage. And you need to you need to hold on to that damage bar like Grim Death in this because uh, you know you can you can get killed pretty quick if you don't watch it. Uh, like I would miss I would miss jump skates. Sometimes I wouldn't understand what you could and couldn't jump on. You know that was something else that bothered me. The breaking through the wall stuff. I had, I kind of had to learn that. Yeah, I, yeah I I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I wonder what was happening. That the breaking through the wall stuff. I wish they would have made it more clear that you yeah. could roll into things and that would break because I did have to experiment a lot with that. That 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 second level, the opening where you fight the two hyenas. I killed them and then I just sat there like, what the hell do I do? Well, you have to go through a wall. Well, you went and and. I figured it out eventually, uh, but it it was something I didn't understand at first. And, uh, and the funny thing is, I couldn't find docs for this. Uh, I read uh, about the docs. The docs uh, are on uh, Hall of Light. Hall of Light has a snippet on there about uh, how the docs for this and the Genesis version were the same. So I actually looked up the Genesis docs. It's the ones. Those are the ones I ended up finding. It didn't. I mean, it was no huge help. Um, the the level being broke up. That, I didn't think the levels were that bad, but what I did hate was when you died and you they put you all the way back. This game was weird, Boat, and there's not too many games I remember doing this. So uh, let's use the second level as an example because God knows I played that enough, the uh, Elephant Graveyard. Mm -hmm. uh, when you got killed, uh, it would move you back to the very beginning of the level and some of the enemies would be dead and some wouldn't. And you'd have to go back and you basically had to go back to the whole level. That was brutal. Yeah. Especially when I was playing on, uh, I was playing on the Unamiga, so there's no save states here, that crap. You were, you were just playing it old There's school. no save states on the Unamiga? No, man. man. It's, Why it's, did you buy that thing? Oh, man, I love it. Uh, but uh, uh, the, uh, uh, so it, it get tedious, very tedious going through the same thing over and over. Yeah. Trying, because you have to learn how to fight the enemies. Like, for example, the hyenas, they sort of jump and miss and tire themselves out. You kill them. Then you... Then the buzzards, they do their thing. And, you know, same thing with learning how to turn over the porcupine. Well, but again, like you know, it's a variety of enemies that you have to you have to kill using a variety of strategies. I didn't think there That's were that the, many enemies either. Uh, if you watch the whole game, you could probably count the number of enemies. Well, yeah, but you're not going to see the whole game because you're not good enough to get past the second level. Well, I got, I came almost get past the second level. I will admit I did not get past it, but I, I came darn close. Uh, well, part of the problem I had was understanding uh, some of the jump things. One of the things the cub does is he can he can sort of grab stuff with his claws, sort of like, uh, say, a Prince of Persia, and he can pull himself up. And they actually use this pretty cleverly in lots of the game where he's, like, jumping from ledge to ledge using this ability. I thought that was pretty cool. Or doing, like, even, like, a, almost like a trapeze a gimmick, you know, uh, they where, where they, uh, uh, you know, trapeze across the opening. That was pretty cool. Uh, so I like that stuff. I didn't like the fact that enemies above you could hit you when you were anywhere near them. Like I said, they were, I thought some of the hit detection was a little cheap, uh, to be yeah. honest with but you. Be, I mean, that's every platformer, though. I mean, every well, platformer I mean, I, except for the very best, you're going to have dodgy hit detection. 
well, I, this I just I can only comment on this, but I, you may be right. Uh, uh, the uh, I will say the animation uh, on the lion uh, and the cub was was awesome. He looks great. Occasionally, these little butterflies will fly by, and if you just leave your joystick untouched. The lion will look at the butterflies and like be enamored with mm-hmm. them, which I thought was real cute. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's a touch that uh, uh, I, I respect that that they went they put that little extra touch in there. Uh, so I, I did dig that. I didn't think the difficulty was all that hard. I mean, granted, I didn't. You got to the second level. level. Well, I know, but uh, you got to think I had I didn't get to play this as much as I normally would because I was on vacation this week. So I think I could have progressed further. I couldn't find any cheat codes for this, so there was no way to like skip levels, unfortunately. Uh, uh, but that would be handy. This game gets uh, often uh, compared to the Aladdin, you know, the game. Yeah. What? It, yeah. How do you? How do? You, how would you think this compares to Aladdin? Oh, mode? Aladdin destroys this. Yeah. I yeah. see. That's that. We're on the same page there. Mm-hmm. The Aladdin much has a lot more charm. Is what well, I mean. It's just. It, I think that they probably had more than two weeks or two months or whatever to to do the Aladdin port. Um, this is a straight up port with as many shortcuts as you could possibly take. Uh, I remember, and I can't confirm this, but I read this on Discord that this game only uses the O two O from the uh, from it doesn't use the AGA graphics uh, chipset at all. So this basically uses OCS ECS graphics uh, with the O two O processor, which allows you to run at the speed that it does. If that's the case, if that's in fact true, then uh, a major missed opportunity. But at the same time, this game came out in nineteen ninety five, Aaron. How many yeah. how many licensed properties were coming out on the Amiga in 1995? That's that's a valid point. Uh, you know that did occur to me. And I will say, uh, cutscenes aside and missing levels aside, uh, uh, when when it, when when the rubber meets the road on this gameplay wise, oh uh, yeah, it's the I best it's, playing it, Amiga platform. I mean, it's definitely in the top five best playing Amiga platformers. If you take this against Super Frog, Super Frog, the, it, it destroys Super Frog. Well, I mean, I don't just agree. the way that your guy moves, the way that you can move your guy, the way that he they're, looks good. yeah, it's super. I, you know, I'm trying to think of other big Amiga platformers. Like, um, if you look at this versus James Pond, this game destroys James Pond. The problem is, is that this game came out in 1995. The art of the platformer had already been perfected, and the world had moved on in 1995. This would be adequate on a console in 1992. I don't agree with you that this destroys. I don't think this is in the upper echelon of Amiga platform. Oh, I totally do. Not because it's not beautiful, but because I just don't like the structure of the play. The the kind of mazy. It's uh, not mazy at all. It's completely linear. There's only one path. Well, I don't like it. I just don't. I don't like. I don't like that sort of thing. It just. You don't like Mario. No, I, listen, I can only tell you what I'm saying. I, I didn't like the the actual gameplay that much. And it had to start over, I didn't like either. I mean, it's a beautiful game. There's, there's no doubt about that. And it's got a lot of t- touches. It's not crap. It just wasn't my cup of tea. I will say that the, the ending of this game is horrible. It, you know, there's no great no great news for anybody that's there, played any any game. It's, um, all, it's the same on every it, it, it's the same on every console I looked at. Uh, it, the funny thing is, the one that struck me as odd was on the Super Nintendo. When the, when you finish the game, a big, huge Lion King logo comes up, and it makes this bizarre noise. Did you notice? It was like, I thought you were going to say, it's like, buy our playsets and toys, you know? It's, it's like a total marketing gimmick. But yeah, yeah this is, been- I mean, this is, it's a great game. If this had come out in, you know, for, let's take away the Lion King license. If this had come out by itself, in 1990 or 1991, 
then people would not have bought consoles. People would have stuck with the Amiga instead of moving on to a better platform. But the fact that this came out in 1995 when the world was getting ready for the freaking PlayStation, it's it's no good. Well, I don't I don't think I think this is like, you know, I don't agree with you on the quality of this. I think it's okay. One of the what things you, that make, one of the things that look at, bothers okay. me about it is I, I'm, no, the, I'm going to continue to fight you on this because look well, at the I, graphics, I, look at the way it plays, look at the variety of enemies, look at the music that goes on while it plays. There's not, there's it not checks a big all the boxes. Of enemies. There's not a that's not true. And there's also like I said I don't like the gameplay that much. It just it's it just doesn't do it for me. I don't like having to start over every time I die. Well, the, I don't not like having that. A, not having an adequate checkpoint system is the fault of many games. Right. Well, I'm saying I, I I don't like it. I mean, I'm not saying this. I would I would I'm not saying I'd like this on the uh, on the Genesis either. I'm just saying okay. I, it didn't do it for okay. me. Now let's talk about some of the things that it's lacking. The uh, this is la- missing three levels from the uh, from the console versions, and they're good levels. There's a great level where you deal with these monkeys that throw you around. That was that looked really fun. There's also a beautiful level where you're with these on the, this level all these waterfalls and stuff. It didn't get that one didn't get in here either. Having the elephant graveyard be the second level is a bad choice. Yeah, it's too dark. You know, you know what this game this level remind me of is is those horrible Earthworm Jim games. Do you remember those? Earthworm I like Earthworm Jim oh, actually. No, that, well, that's, like that's what it. this reminds me of. Well, I like that, but I mean, I didn't like the, the. And I'm not saying this is a bad scenario here, this area, but it's as a second level, and again with no context, this sucked. I didn't like it. Too dark. Um, the uh, the missing in between parts. I mean, if you look to see what they were, there are these mini games about eating bugs or gathering bugs with those two comedy characters. Mm-hmm. There's not much to them. Yeah, it's not like that's a big loss. But right. The levels are a pretty big loss. There is one level that's that's put in here where your cub is running from these like wildebeests or something, mm-hmm. and it's a I don't know if you saw this, but it's a face-on view. Right, like you're looking at your cub running towards the camera, and then behind him you see all the uh, all the wildebeests or cattle or whatever those things are. <clears throat> it's a pretty neat effect. Uh, I looked at it on all three of the con- on the consoles plus the Amiga. I noticed on the Super Nintendo version. You could actually see a herd back there as opposed to nothing, and that gave it a little more depth. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't notice in the Genesis whether it well, had it or not. When I heard that th- this game was missing three levels, I assumed that that would be one of the levels. I figured that the Amiga just couldn't handle whatever yeah. sprite scaling was going on, so I was pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. to see that level included. And like yeah. I said, it didn't have all the detail of the console versions, but it had most of it. And, oh, yeah, it was uh, very it, close. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that I thought that was a neat level. It was a neat idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that it's no great shakes. Again, though, if you're going to jettison something, I would have jettisoned that and brought in the other levels. Uh, this game it's not ultra. It's not very long either. Uh, the uh, truth of the matter is, it's it's probably not even. It's probably just a little over half as long as the console uh, versions. Which again, that's you can understand where they're coming from with the you know lack of discs because you're getting in a whole area there where you have to manufacture. You know, the, and again, this is '95, so you're probably going to cut and run on this stuff right but still it's disappointing and i have no doubt that the amiga could have easily ha- this shows you the amiga could hang with consoles on some of this stuff because like i said whether i like this game or not it's it's it looks pretty much identical to the console versions and plays you know i play the genesis version they play pretty similarly too i mean it's it's not like the amigas is lacking behind no not so, at all so i have no doubt they could have pulled that off if they wanted to go ahead and devote the extra discs to it uh, but when you add it when you tally the ticket here missing level 
missing bonus stuff, uh, missing the little cutscenes, the tiny little cutscenes that are in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that you have to start the level over, which I didn't like. The kind of sketchy hitboxes on it. There, there was a lot that I didn't like, and that's why I know you were killing me. But uh, there's plenty here to, to dock points over. Do I think this is a C game? Uh, I'd say a, a high C or a low B. That's insane. It's, it's not, that's insane not, on the Amiga. That's hey, insane. I, listen, I call them like I see them. I, it wasn't. I, I don't think this was as good as, like, say, a James Pond Two in terms of. Oh game my play. gosh! Oh my god! You're you're you are out of your mind. You're out yeah, of your I, mind. Go just, back and play James Pond Two and regale yourself of the awesome platforming action. I played it. Then come uh, back to the Lion King. I'll, no, I, it's, this is not a game I would probably go back to. Let's just put that. Just it, it was too frustrating for me. I just didn't think it was. I didn't think it was all that. But I mean, there was a there was a good package here. They just didn't. They didn't do the little things that make a good game, uh, make a good game great. In my opinion. Okay. Well, um, Aaron, did you look up any magazine reviews for this one? I did, Boatster. So Lemon gives this thing a pretty good score. Actually, they give it. They give this thing a uh, seven point oh eight. Which is not bad. Uh, so um, Amiga Format gave this a 69, and um, uh, Amiga Power gave it a 59. I looked up the Amiga Power uh, review uh-huh. to see what to understand why they scored it so low, and what they scored it on was it's very similar to what I thought. I mean, I would I don't think this is a 59% game, but they they compared it to Aladdin. Mm-hmm. They were upset about the console. You know, on in one of those Amiga magazines. If you're showing a console kicking the Amiga's butt at something, you know they're not going to get you. That's not going to get you over. Right, right. And so they, they, you know, they didn't murder it, but they were just like, yeah, this is this is. I not think. Good. I, I, well, really, I think by '95, most people that were serious about gaming also had consoles, so they had to keep that in mind. They were like, if you're looking to buy the Amiga version, don't. You know? Right. Uh, you've got uh, 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 CU Amiga gave it a 76, and the one gave it a 77. So really, Amiga competed giving it an 81. And I would have to say my my thoughts on it are somewhere in that ballpark, somewhere in the low 80s or upper 70s. And, it, and again, it's sort of a missed opportunity because they had the bones here that put something good together. I just didn't. I, the, for me, the gameplay wasn't there, uh, and, and it wasn't interesting enough for me to get into it. But I mean, that much said, you know, I could, for a kid maybe or something, somebody that's really into the Lion King. And also, since I have, we talked about nostalgia earlier. I have no nostalgia for the Lion King. If I did, I may look at this in a better light. So I mean, I'm not uh, insane, but I don't know. I don't know anything about the Lion King, so it doesn't mean much to me. I'm sure it's more moving for someone that knows something about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm no fan of the Lion King. All I do is I look at this versus the other platformers that we played for the Amiga. That's that's my only point of comparison. But I understand why people might not like it. We did get a lot of reviews this week, Aaron, on the uh, the old Discord. Uh, I will go through them now. Uh, first up, we've got Frodo. Frodo. Jolly old Frodo. Uh, he says, Frodo NL says, already not a very engaging platformer on other platformers. It, like the PC version, is made even worse or better by ma- missing multiple levels. Why? The other big question I have is, why is this AGA only? I like platform games, but this is not the one I will go back to. Five out of ten. Graham W. Vebke asks, or he he doesn't ask anything, he tells. This game looks fine, has decent scrolling and parallax effects and okay sound, but comparing this to the console version, it's missing at least three of the stages, and the health extenders aren't here either, which added to the longevity of the game. The trouble is, on this game, on consoles, it's an average platform game at best, 
and with less levels of play and much harder controls on the Amiga, there's just not a lot of replay value here, or even enjoyment for me. Probably the worst of the Disney platform games on the Amiga, so I'll rate it a generous 4 out of 10. Pixels of Dawn writes, This game looks lovely, especially the animations on Simba, and it has to get extra points for avoiding the two common Amiga platforming pitfalls. It has simultaneous music and sound effects, which are both pretty great, and it gives you the option to use the button for jump. However, The Lion King has always been a very difficult platformer, even on the consoles and even on easy difficulty. And again, this AGA game only seeks to use the O2O rather than the advanced graphics, which is a shame. While I don't think the missing levels are a killer in terms of enjoying the game, it does make the Amiga version of the poor cousin. Still, this is one of my favorite Disney games, so it gets a 6.5 out of 10 for at least looking and sounding the part and controlling well. Chris Folds writes, I have fond memories of this on the SNES, and with the Amiga version, I am greeted with yet another substandard port. Missing levels, AGA only for no apparent reason, sloppier controls, and the lack of health make this a bad experience. 4 out of 10. Jason Warrens writes, Superficial! 6 out of 10. <laughs> Leif Kellan writes, This game is absolutely terrible. It controls horribly, the frame rate and scrolling is choppy, and the level design is an absolute mess. The graphics are nice and the animations are complex, though with the choppy scrolling and low frame rate, it all just becomes a messy chaos. If this hadn't had the license, it would have been a stillbirth. Boat is blinded by his love for the mediocre Disney flick that this one is based on. Aaron <laughs> gets it, though. Way to stand your ground, Aaron. Three out of ten. Was this a, was this review just sent in? This was <laughs> just sent in. This was just sent in. <laughs> Good job, so. Leaf. Thank you all so much for your reviews this week. You know, we didn't get into the fact that this is AGA that much, Boat. I want to give you a chance to go bananas on it because, I, now, again, how much of the AGA chipset was used this, I don't know. We're not, we're by no means are we chipset Listen, experts, man, I know all about the AGA chipset. But I will I will say this. Uh, if this is you, whatever this is doing, it looks as good as the best console version, and it's not going to look any better I mean, they deleted levels, so you know right. they're not going to enhance it. Right. So if the way I look at it, if it looks as good as the best console version, I call it a graphical win. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the graphics in this game. Yeah, uh, I think it's fine. Um, I I don't know that. Um, for example, when you look at the SNES and the Genesis versions, they do look different. They are like different. the The art quality is different. I wouldn't say one is better than the other, but they just look different. And I think that the Amiga version does look more in line with the Super Nintendo version. Yeah, I, like I said, it, well, actually, I think it, well, I mean, I don't know. They're all very similar. So, yeah. I mean, you're at that point, you're. this is one game, like, we could take our look at this game and just sort of transfer it to the other shows if we had a Super Nintendo or a Genesis show because at the end of the day, missing levels or not, missing a few cutscenes or not, that's all well and good. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the same basic game. Right. You know, right. with just some, a little fluff missing. Yeah. Yeah. And big the levels. All right, Aaron. Uh, before we move on to the end of the show, uh, I did want to take a moment to thank all the fine folks that are here with us in the uh, Twitch chat. We have quite the crowd this evening. We do record this show every Friday at around 5 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, we got Tenmark in the house with us. Amiga 1200 Gamer, another TT viewer, Atten Barkbit. Bitstorm, Bomb, Six of the Base, Buck Owens, Cobrian, Commander Root, 
Duke L. Hudson, Duncan Styles, Eddie YMGC, Electrical Longboard, Frodo NL, Jigglebox, Hermski, Jason Warns, L. Curtis B., Leaf Kellon, Lemon Juices 12, Lurks, Mitsuyama, Mr. Cola, Olaf, Hope, Pan Handler, Picard 2010, Polyester Links, Remastrino, R Type 3R, Rubber Slayer, Stroker 64, Sweet Thail, The Devil Bunny, that must be you, The Devil's Ob, Treyguard82, VNK, and Big Row Pros. Aaron, did you look this thing up on eBay to see what it was going for these days? Nope. <laughs> I did not do that, vote. It slipped my mind, my friend. Oh. It's funny what you forget when you're in the deep, deep, deep woods of West Virginia, my friend. That's true. I... That's true. All right. Well, we do want to thank all of you that subscribe to our Twitch channel. Uh, if you are an Amazon Prime member, you can subscribe to uh, our Amigos channel for free. It costs you nothing, but it gives us support. So we, we do appreciate all of you that do that. You also get the same Discord benefits that you do if you were a Patreon supporter. So we appreciate you. Aaron, moving on to the Patreon song from last week. I am so sad to report. Well, I'm happy and sad at the same time. I'm sort of melancholy at yeah. this. Um, there was only one person that got it, but I'm glad. I knew that this person would get it because he's a huge fan of this particular artist. It was Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. Do you know who wrote that song, Aaron? Nope. Yeah, I didn't figure you would. It's Billy Joel. Billy Joel wrote that song. Figgy CTZ, our resident Billy Joel expert, uh, got that right off the bat. As soon as we got done recording, he sent that in. So congratulations, Figgy, uh, for getting that one right. And uh, if you know the answer to this week's Patreon song challenge, then please send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com. So prepare yourself, Aaron. I'm going to warm up the vocal cords Impossible. Here. I'm going to stretch my... Stretch. You know, while you're warming up, I will say that I just happened to look up this on eBay... 15 to 22 bucks if you're in the UK. Takes you home a box copy of The Lion King. There you go. All right. I had to fulfill my obligation, but I felt like a bum. Yeah, normally I, I pull down the list of uh, Twitch supporters as you are doing that. So I was unable to do that this week. However, Twitch subscribers, we love you. We know you. We will get you next time. Patreons, get ready. This one's for you. Oh. Cello, code marked by Lund, Olaf Hope, Hermski Jonah, a.k.a. Simulant, Jeremy, Ethan Little, Alien Breeder, Dave Loss Raptor, Calbert Borchokulks, Lane Denson, Luke Hudson, Bomb the Bass, Roshi, Frodo in L, Soul Incisor, Take Mage Jurgen, Mr. Cola, Daniel Williams, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington, Zorglob, Commodore, Kid Reflection, 
Salmon, let's cap and crispy, kilobytes and caffeine, Gary had free lunch, Kate Fox, David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobster Minato, Ten Minute Amiga Retrocast, Bernard Quinn Retro Man Cave, Tim Drusan, Rose Jambon, Joseph Harrison, Caletta, Rob O'Hara, Matthew Larimore, Andy Craig, Shonzo Barkbit, Roland Burke, Andrew Monkster the Zombie, Leaf Kellogg, Alec Bob. Checo Lord, John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRosha, Creepy Dead Boy, Figgy, CTZCF on Sorgon, Mortensen, Evan Leland, Blindo 75, Christopher Hassel, Ravi Abbott, Chris Foles, Dreamcatcher, Laurent Giroux, Graham Vepkey, Adam Battersby, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Hucker, Paul Harrington, Duncan Styles, Tate from the Crypt, Josh Nan, Adam Bradley, Jonas Rulo, THTE, Eric Nelson, <laughs> Kim Tommy Holmbestad, Daniel Bingston, Brutal Barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason Walls, Pixels at Dawn, and Kjobjorn Barben. That was an anthem, Aaron. That was a torch song. That was an audio enema. <laughs> Aaron, next week on Amigos, join us. We will be talking about Escape from Colditz. Oh, that sounds real cheery. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do want to thank Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky, for ending his his uh, four-week run as AGSC champion as he suggested this game. And it was voted upon by all the Amigos Game Selection Committee members to be the game of the week. We want to thank Paul uh, for his contribution and this one, Escape from Cold, it's suggested by Graham W. Debke. I can't make a W. I'm trying. You can. It's like that this. One. You're from West Virginia. You know how it goes. Is that? That's how we do it on the mean streets. West Saeed. Yeah. All right. So thank you all very much for listening. We will be back next week with another edition of the Amigos. Until then, adios. adios.